the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It just doesn't get any more nauseating than this. Here in the 21st century, we've been uh, forced to spend more than five seconds talking about which pronouns to use without offending someone. You may have noticed that. That's pathetic enough. But the insanity has reached the armed services. This is from a video that is now shown to the brave men and women and whatever else in the military. Both of these lunatics speaking are actually in the Navy. Hi, my name is Johnny, and I use he, him pronouns. Hi, and I'm Kanchi, and I use she, her pronouns. And we're here to talk about pronouns. What is a pronoun? pronoun is how we identify ourselves apart from our name and it's also how people refer to us in conversations. Using the right pronouns is a really simple way to affirm someone's identity. It is a signal of acceptance and respect. If it's a signal of acceptance and respect, how do we go about creating a safe space for everybody? That's a good question. A really good way to do that is to use inclusive language. Instead of saying something like, hey guys, you can say Hey everyone, or hey team. Yeah, and now that you say that, another way that we could show that we're allies and that we accept everybody is to maybe include our pronouns in our emails or, like we just did, introduce ourselves using our pronouns. But what would I do if I uh, misgender someone? I think the first thing to recognize is that it's not the end of the world. You correct yourself and move on, or you accept the correction and move on. The most important thing I can tell you is do not put the burden of making you feel good about your mistake on the person that you just misgendered. Oh, thank you for telling me that. Yeah, and another tip uh, for you to remember their uh, pronoun next time. There you go. Now, how about this? (laughs) If, if, If you're looking for a safe space to be safe from someone using the wrong pronoun, you're in a submarine. Eight miles, I don't know, a thousand feet below the surface, however far submarines go down into the uh, into the depths of the ocean. But the safe space you need is from someone using the wrong pronoun for you. That thing goes on for another minute. I'm guessing the Chinese and the Russian military don't spend a lot of time on pronouns. Anyway, when we come back, one of the best ads ever for school choice And in our second half hour, a columnist eyewitness account from the southern border. Stick around. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarrestpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarrestpittsburgh.com. In 2008, I wrote the book, The Dumbest Generation. This is Mark Bauerlein. My first book chronicled the millennials who spent time staring at screens with extravagant hopes of a high-tech future. They were confident, optimistic, ambitious. Technology was to make millennials the smartest generation. In truth, it robbed them of faith, patriotism, history, art, literature, civics. The mentors didn't give them beauty and truth and greatness. Instead, millennials have looked for answers in utopian dreams of perfect justice and universal happiness that will only disappoint them. At age 30, 
they go for cancel culture. My new book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, From Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults, lays out the wreckage and shows how to rescue the next generation. If you'd like to learn more about my work, listen to my podcast at First Things Magazine, www.firstthings.com, www.firstthings.com. From best-selling author Mark Bauerlein, get the essential new book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, available wherever books are sold. Hi, friends. This is Katie Pavlich from townhall.com. The liberal media and big tech are working overtime to promote the left's anti-American agenda to silence me and the reporters on our team at Town Hall. We must bring the truth to the American people free from the spin of big media and the censorship of big tech companies. Town Hall covers the news that matters, exposing the COVID lies, the leftist rot and crime surge in our cities, the illegal alien crisis at our southern border, and all of Joe Biden's unconstitutional overreach, including the critical race theory attacks on our children and grandchildren by school boards working with the Department of Justice. Visit townhall.com each morning, afternoon, and night for the truth as my team investigates the Biden administration, their big media friends, and leftist activists. With your support, we can keep holding government bureaucrats and their allies in the media accountable. Visit townhall.com today to join the fight. The fight for our nation starts with townhall.com. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3390 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3390. Enjoy. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? I mean, they go back to college. Learn new instruments. Start skateboarding. Okay, maybe that one's not for everybody, but saving for retirement is. With aceyourretirement.org, you can get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. Just have a three-minute chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach from AARP. You'll get personalized recommendations based on your input that are easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Gnarly move, Dad. Thanks, sweetie. So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, if you want to see a perfect ad for school choice, um, go to city-journal.org and read the piece by Lior Sapir. He's a fellow at the Manhattan Institute. The headline is The Assault on Children's Psyches, and Lior joins us now. Thanks for coming on the show, Lior. Thanks for having me, John. So um, I think that the two things that most sane parents are worried about uh, when it comes to their children and what they're being exposed to in school, I think the two things would be CRT and transgenderism. And what I thought was really amazing about this piece that you wrote is is how the two work together to, to make a, a really toxic mix. Could you explain that? Sure, absolutely. So CRT, um, you know, it's kind of become a, a, a bugaboo for some people. Um, but uh, basically, you know, the idea is embedded in uh, a number of blue states, laws that uh, mandate some form of ethnic studies curriculum. Um, So the idea here is that, you know, uh, Western culture, Western white culture is oppressive and non-Western, non-white cultures are, you know, inherently good and valuable and um, and they need to be uh, expressed and their um, truths and opinions need to be deferred to. Um, And this is being taught in, in a number of states, but especially in California. 
And um, my piece, what I do in my piece is I try to show how uh, the messaging of ethnic studies, which incorporates elements of CRT, uh, I, I discussed that in the piece, um, how ethnic studies really cultivates, um, especially young white girls, uh, into this you know, oppressor mindset where they're very anxious about uh, being in an oppressor category. Um, and one of the ways in which they can escape that, because they can't escape being white, right? That's an immutable trait. But one of the ways in which they can escape that, or at least mitigate the costs of being white, is by uh, joining into the Rainbow Coalition and declaring themselves uh, part of the LGBTQ plus uh, group. Um, and w one of the things that I show in the piece, um, based on a study done by my colleague, Eric Kaufman at uh, Manhattan Institute, um, and another, a, a, a few other pieces of evidence, including um, interviews that I had with parents. Um, but one of the things that I tried to show is that, you know, even though the common narrative, I think, in, in mainstream culture is that being LGBT means being born that way. Um, in fact, this category has expanded and changed in recent years um, so that now, uh, you know, there's very little that one has to do, think, say, feel, um, in order to belong to the LGBT coalition. Um, and in fact, uh, just based on my own experiences as a college instructor, um, you know, it was quite common for me to come across young, white, very liberal um, female students who just declared, I'm queer. I uh, didn't really have to do anything. And the same thing with at least one understanding of trans. Uh, they could just declare themselves trans. Um, and so that is really a way for them to kind of make their way up the totem pole of social respectability. Um, so, so that's really what I try to, to stress in the piece of how this ethnic studies curriculum that emphasizes CRT elements, uh, you know, kind of prompts young girls to seek safe haven in LGBT identification. And sometimes that's innocuous, but sometimes it really isn't. It really, it really is. Um, when you think about it, it's it's such a an easy thing uh, for them to do because, as you say, you can't declare yourself black or Hispanic or or any other group, but you are allowed to now declare yourself uh, any number of things that fit into the LGBTQ alphabet that keeps growing. So there, are, there's just so many options for them, and it's been glamorized and. Uh, and and so they so you have these girls, I guess is what you're saying, uh, kids, but especially girls, they're made to feel guilty about being white, and so they're looking for an oppressed group to join. And transgenderism right. came along at just the right time for them. I didn't have that choice when I was a kid. There was no transgenderism group to join. You know, right, right. Yes, that's right. Um, things have changed very quickly. Um, sexual mores have changed very quickly in recent years. Um, and, you know, I, I would recommend to your readers who haven't yet read it, um, uh, Abigail Schreier's book, Irreversible Damage, because yeah. that really was the trailblazing work that, um, that tried to explore how this new transgender fad among teenagers uh, really affects and, and really harms um, uh, teenage girls. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I try to do in my piece, John, is, is a, by my, my piece, you could say, is a kind of a follow-up to Abigail Schreier's wonderful book, um, and, and I try to explore, you know, one of the, uh, as yet, uh, not, I think, uh, talked about enough um, uh, connections between ethnic studies, CRT on the one hand, and LGBT identification on the other. But you're right. Things have changed very, very quickly in recent years. And just like with many things, you know, sometimes the teenagers know things that we don't. Um, and it takes a while for us adults, grown-ups, to catch up to what they're doing and, and realize how, how harmful it could be. And you do have uh, a lot of interviews with uh, people, uh, and you use um, uh, syn uh, they're not it's not their real name, um, right? Yeah, and I I'm, I'm interested. Why would they be um, so interested in remaining anonymous? They are terrified, um, mortified uh, at being discovered. Um, I cannot emphasize enough the regime of secrecy and intimidation under which these parents live, especially in kind of very progressive uh, enclaves of a state like California. Um, you know, we've been told that, that transgender is the most oppressed social category in America today. Um, if you just kind of let go of that for a minute and just look at what's going on, in fact, in reality on the ground, 
you know, if you were an alien coming from outer space, you would probably think that there is no, there's no group that has more social power in America today than transgender. Absolutely. Because this is a, yep. this is a tiny, tiny portion of the population that exercises an enormous amount of control and authority over culture, institutions, politics, um, in an, in an extremely short period of time, too. I mean, we're talking about just the last five, six years this has happened. Um, and so, uh, you know, these parents rightly understand that to be openly, I'm not even talking about critical, just to raise questions, to ask, you know, is my daughter's trans identity, might it be the result of some other factor? Mm-hmm. For example, uh, her desire to conform to her friend group, for example, her desire to, um, you know, make her way up the social hierarchy at school. Um, even to raise those questions for these parents is to invite um, uh, vitriol from, uh, you know, from, from professional circles uh, in their workplace, from parents, other parents who are very eager to kind of backstab one another in order to show their progressive credentials, um, from teachers, uh, from a GSA, uh, Gay Straight Alliance, although now I think it's called Gender, Sexuality, and Ally Clubs, um, everybody in their life system um, will, will just eviscerate these parents um, if they dare speak out. And so they have to stay anonymous. Um, and, and to see this at play is, was really sobering for me because, you know, I, being in this field of research um, and writing on this topic, I know the kind of a program that can come with saying the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. But to actually talk to parents on the ground who are experiencing this and who want to try to save their daughters from, uh, unnecessary mastectomies and testosterone injections. Um, and let me say one other thing, uh, John, which is that, you know, it's not just the education system. Um, the entire state apparatus of California is stacked against them. So if they want to find a clinical, uh, if they want to find a therapist who will do what's called exploratory therapy, meaning just to figure out why their daughter is experiencing what she's experiencing without necessarily affirming that she is in fact a boy, um, if they want to try to find a therapist like that, good luck to them. Um, they, they simply cannot. And one of the reasons is that California banned that kind of exploratory therapy. Um, so a lot of them have to go out of state. Um, and sometimes they just kind of give up. They just don't know what to do. Um, and then in addition to that, and I think one of the most chilling pieces of this is that if anybody discovers that they're questioning their daughter's identity, they could have child protective services show up at their door. Oh, yeah. And that, that is a parent's absolute nightmare. Um, and so, you know, they, they, they have every reason to stay anonymous and to, uh, to try to fight this fight uh, however they can. But, you know, really, their hands are tied. We're talking to Lior Sapir. You should check his piece out at uh, city-journal.org. The, the reason I, I was uh, kind of interested in, in the, the fact that they wanted to remain anonymous and what you just described, is I, I, that's the reason I thought it was why they didn't want their names mentioned. But what I was, was a little confusing for me is that someone would keep their kid in a school where things are happening to them that they can't, they, 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 that scares the hell out of them, but they can't talk about it because they're afraid of what will happen. Then why is the kid staying in school? Get them out of there. Yeah, yeah. And, and some do. Um, some do. But look, I mean, there's, there's another, there's a few factors at play here. One is that, you know, a lot of parents just don't really have the financial means yeah. to move, move to uproot and move. Yeah, right. Um, and without, you know, kind of a robust school choice program, um, they're screwed. You know, they're kind of locked into the system. Um, the other thing is that, you know, with, with these kind of trans identification among teenagers, what I've noticed um, from reading about it, from talking to parents is that, um, you know, it's kind of like the old joke, how do you go broke? Um, very little, and then all of a sudden, everything at once. Yeah. Um, you know, there's kind of a, a, a steady process of deterioration, and the parents tell themselves, um, you know, this will pass. It's a phase. She's just going yeah. through this. She'll see the light. She's a rational person. By the way, the vast majority of these kids are hyper-intelligent, um, and that's probably why they're also a little bit socially awkward and, and mm-hmm. uh, isolated. But you know, so the parents say, understandably, and my daughter is extremely smart. She knows how to see through these things. She'll just snap out of it. Um, but by the time uh, things are too late, you know, the parent kind of looks and says, whoa, 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 whoa what's going on here? Um, and, you know, I, I constantly ask myself, could I find myself in the same situation? Because I myself have daughters. Yeah. Uh, and I constantly say, yeah, I can. You know, despite everything I know, um, you know, anyone could find themselves in this situation. 
Listen, I, uh, th- there's uh, you're talking about the I think it's the Glendale United uh, School District G- GUSD. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm going yeah. to read from your piece here. Um, sure. in, in April, parents at GUSD intercepted a private email exchange between top level administrators after a teacher asked for guidance on how to teach LGBT content to third graders. Craig Lewis, yeah. then in charge of the district's Restorative Practices and Positive Behavior Intervention and Support, that's pretty scary, wrote that the <laughs> district must, quote, teach that LGBTQ plus is everybody and that, quote, we are all probably best described as queer. This is what they're teaching third graders? Yes, and not only are they teaching this to third graders, but they are actively denying to parents that that's what they're doing. And, you know, I've been in touch with um, Joe, who's the, the the person whom I cite in the piece. Um, she's been um, sharing a lot of this information for me with me. Um, she's a real uh, a hero here. She's just been fighting the school districts for transparency for for quite some time now. Um, but yeah, you know, one of the things that she's discovered in her request for public records um, uh, uh, acts is that you know the teachers, the administrators will say one thing to parents. And then behind their backs, they will say something uh, totally different. In fact, the opposite. They will revel in the fact that they're teaching critical race theory, in their contempt for American history, um, in their you know active promotion of, of queerness um, and gender ideology. Um, you know, so uh, this is this is kind of a second layer of the problem. Right? One is what they actually teach in schools. Is it good or bad? What does it do? The other is uh, the transparency issue. To what extent do school administrators and teachers, um, uh, uh, to what extent are they honest uh, with parents? Um, and that's, of course, you know, part of the puzzle for why parents are not pulling their kids out, because a lot of them simply don't know what's going on until it's too late. Yeah, I, again, this gets, gets, gets me back to what I, what I talked about earlier. Um, you know, it used to, I'm an old guy, and it, 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 I was sent to school by my parents, and I sent my kids to school thinking that they were going to go learn good stuff that was going to help them in life, and you didn't really worry about what they were being taught. You know, to any, any uh, real degree, didn't worry about it. But I just I can't, I can't imagine knowing that this is going on in your school and subjecting your kids to it. I, I, I don't get it. I don't. I don't get how yeah. it exists. It just. It makes no sense that 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 parents wouldn't burn the building down before they'd allow their kids to go be taught that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you know, the, the way that I think about this, John, is it's a, a a classic example of what's called a collective action problem, um, and that happens when a large group of people have an interest um, to have some kind of result, um, but nobody really has the interest to take the first step forward to put their neck out. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're the ones who are going to have to, you know, incur the, the full penalty. So, uh, you know, again, just speaking to parents on the ground there, I can tell that, you know, especially in a place like Glendale, which is a pretty conservative district by California standards, there's a large Korean community there. There's a huge Armenian community there. Families tend to be more traditional. Um, and there are actually quite a few parents who know what's going on, but, uh, you know, nobody wants to be the one to, to risk themselves. And, and again, I, I can't blame them for a second. Um, I can't say with, with a hand on my heart that I would do the same. Um, but, you know, uh, that's the dynamic. Uh, it's a dynamic in which, uh, you know, everybody kind of wants to just lower their head and, and hope that this passes. Well, as I uh, said when we started here, Lior, uh, there's no better ad for school choice than your piece at uh, city-journal.org. Every parent and grandparent should read it and then find out if any of this stuff is happening at their school. Thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, that's Lior Sapir. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Congressman Adam Schiff taking part today as House Democrats continue their hearings into the Capitol riot. John, to underscore the nation's tradition of smooth transitions of power following elections, Congressman Schiff used a quote from former President Ronald Reagan. In the eyes of many in the world, this every four-year ceremony we accept as normal is nothing less than a miracle. Former President Trump says the tactics the panel is using are equivalent to barring any defense witnesses, something they would never dare to do in a real courtroom. And if they did, 
in a real court of law, everyone involved would be sanctioned and would be disbarred. If they were lawyers, they'd be disbarred for what they're doing. There's a one-sided witch hunt. They would be totally disbarred. We have nobody to even speak. John, today's focus is on pressure the Trump campaign put on states to challenge results of the 2020 election. Bob Agner reporting. This is SRN News. I've always been kind of cynical towards advertising, which I know doesn't make much sense considering I'm currently recording a commercial. It's all the fluffy words that make us cynical, right? A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, a blue light special, but only, of course, if you call right now. It all kind of makes me nauseous, and yet here I am about to say that right now actually might be a -a once-in-a-lifetime moment for some of us, and that is the opportunity of a cash-out refinance. Arguably never has there been a moment in time like the last few years where home values have jumped at crazy historical levels, leaving all this extra money sitting inside our homes. A cash-out refinance lets you put that extra money in your pocket to use for life. If you'd like to see your options, we are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Metal Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. AM 1250, The Answer. AM 1250, The Answer.com. Hugh Hewitt, The Hugh Hewitt Show. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt on the next Hugh Hewitt Show. I'm back on air and I'm back with the news from the northern border. Do not worry about a thing. I've got it all covered because even though there are these people streaming across the northern border and I'm counting them on your behalf, I've got the news for you as well, all on the next Hugh Hewitt Show. Hugh Hewitt, weekday mornings at 6, right before Mike Gallagher at 9 on AM 1250, The Answer. Balance of Nature is changing the world one life at a time. What does that mean? It means we are actively working to give people more fruits and veggies to help each person in our world be healthier. One of the things we do is create personal experiences with each of our customers. We know living a healthy life is more than eating a healthy diet and exercising regularly. And that's why Balance of Nature works with customers to help them eat healthier, exercise in a healthy way, and take care of their overall well-being. We help each person set individual goals and take the right steps to achieve them. We understand that changing the world happens by giving people the tools they need to help themselves. Go to balanceofnature.com to see for yourself how Balance of Nature can help you live your best life. At Balance of Nature, changing the world one life at a time isn't just a motto. It's our purpose. Go to balanceofnature.com and get 35% off your first order as a preferred customer by using discount code Balance. Summer is here and the open road awaits. This is John Steigerwald and Pitt Cycles has what you're looking for. Choose from a huge selection of 136 models from Indian, Triumph, KTM, Royal Enfield, and more. Plus, some big exciting changes coming just around the bend. Get your trade-in value in seconds at PitCycles.com and see just how easy it is to take your ride to a whole new level. Pitt Cycles in Warrendale, next to Jurgles. Reserve now and beat the rush at PitCycles.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app. Smart speakers. Tune in. iHeart or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Back up on the Parkway West inbound. Accident at Ridge Road. You jam from Montour Run. Road on down. Close to a 10-minute delay. And then a little busy from Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Outbound, solid on the Parkway East from Oakland up to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Inbound, also heavy into the tunnel and 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. 837, construction slowdowns between Neal Street and Glenwood Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Mainly clear and warm tonight. It'll be much stickier after the stretch of comfortable weather we've seen. We'll reach a low of 71. Clouds and sunshine for tomorrow with a couple of showers and a heavy thunderstorm, mainly later in the day. Otherwise warm and humid, those storms can bring flash flooding and damaging winds. We'll reach a high of 87. Partly sunny skies for Thursday. It'll be less humid with a high of 81. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Well, the Mexican border is a million miles from here, and as much as we hear about the chaos and the corruption and everything that's going on down there, you really can't appreciate how bad it is, I don't think, unless you go there. And that's what John Daniel Davidson, senior editor at The Federalist, did, and he joins us now. John, thanks for coming on the show again. Appreciate it. 
Thanks for having me. So uh, you did a two-part series uh, at The Federalist, and uh, it's obvious that you spent time right there in the thick of it. How did the um, how did the reality compare to what you imagined it was like? Well, this is not my first time to the border. I've been going down there on and off since 2018, and uh, the difference this time was that uh, the border is is far more out of control and far more enthralled to cartels and criminal organizations than at any time that I've seen it previously. Uh, the cartels and the smuggling organizations have basically turned illegal immigration into a vast black market, and they're making a lot of money off of it. We see pictures of people uh, trying to cross the border, um, but what, what do you learn when you go down there about who these people are, where they came from, and, and how they got to the border to where we see them either waiting to come across or actually coming across or being dumped off on the on the American side? Yeah, one of the things that you learn that I think a lot of Americans who just kind of casually watch the news coverage of it uh, is that almost everybody down there, uh, e- either in northern Mexico or the ones who have already crossed into the United States, every migrant has paid quite a bit of money just to get to where they are, whether they're in Mexico or in southern Texas. Uh, and the ones who don't pay, uh, they don't get to cross the river. In fact, we heard stories of people in Matamoros, which is across the border from Brownsville, Texas, um, Haitian migrants who hadn't paid the local cartel off and who tried to cross the river. The cartel actually went out into the river, grabbed them, and brought them back to Mexico. And uh, that that's a story that you hear um, in different versions of it uh, all along the border. So where where do they get the money, and how much are we talking about for someone if it's a you know if it's a family, a mother and a father and a couple of kids? What, what kind of money do they have to come up with? It depends on where they're starting from. We talked to one Cuban man who paid eleven thousand dollars to a smuggler to get him from uh, Central America all the way up through Mexico and then over the border. But it varies based upon the circumstances uh, and the country of origin. But it generally is thousands of dollars, four, five, six thousand dollars. And the way these people come up with the money is generally one of two ways. They'll either sell everything that they have and sort of bet the farm, some cases literally selling their farm or their house and take the proceeds of that and go north. Or they go into debt or their family members back in the home country go into debt to local loan sharks, which means these folks have got to get into the United States as far as they're concerned, because the whole point of taking out the loan was that they would be able to get into the United States, make 10 times more money than they could back home, and send that money home to their families so they could repay these often very dangerous loan sharks. Now, I know this isn't part of your story necessarily and uh, you know what, what you found down at the border itself, but what kind of jobs uh, does somebody get when uh, they, they cross the border in the United States, in some cases, they're not legally allowed to work. And if they are, it's they're on a temporary visa of some kind. What kind of money can they make? And how, how do they have enough money to live here and still have some to send back home? Well, that's a good question. And I've talked to, you know, hundreds of migrants over the years. And I always ask them where they're going and what, what job they're going to. And the vast majority of them already have a job lined up either in construction or on a farm or in a meatpacking plant or at a hotel, uh, all different industries, all different parts of the country. They, most of them, by the time they get up to the border or over it, they already have a job lined up and they already have a community that they're plugging into a family member or a friend in the specific part of the country. And you gotta, you gotta keep in mind. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish up. They they make uh, far more money than they do back home, yeah. and so you know they and they're they're living often in in uh, in community with other migrants, and so they're able to save. They're able to send that excess, and you know remember American dollars go a lot farther in Honduras than they do here. So they they uh, they when they get here they or they get to where they're going in the United States, they have a job because they know people who are already there, and they get them a job. But are they getting jobs legally? Are they are they are they illegally. 
sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Some of the people who cross illegally are being released from Border Patrol and Customs and Border Protection with work authorization, even though they cross the border illegally, even though they are in what CBP calls removal proceedings. Maybe they filed for asylum. Maybe they got a humanitarian full and they're appealing their removal proceedings. Whatever the case, the federal government authorizes them to seek work legally while their case is pending. And the thing is, right now, the waiting time for a, an asylum case to make its way through the system is five years. So they're basically getting a five-year visa with a work authorization into the United States. That's after they cross illegally. That's how messed up the system is. So they're here kind of legally, illegally. They're, they're, That's they're, right. There's, they're illegally here, but there's nothing you can do about it because their case is pending and they've, they've claimed asylum. Uh, That's right. All, all of this stems from a defective body of underlying immigration law that we've had mm-hmm. on the books for years now and that the cartels and the smuggling networks are exploiting because they know they can make money off promises that migrants can get into the country, which in most cases is true. They can get into the country and sometimes they can work here legally. Yeah, so you, you write that it's an industrial-scale smuggling black market. Um, and, you know, the government is good at creating black markets. They, you know, they do it with, just by making certain things illegal, and they immediately create a black market for it. So, so how, much blame, right. how much blame does the American government get uh, for creating the conditions that make it good business for the cartels to just hang around and, and uh, make sure they facilitate people getting across the border? Uh, the government gets all the blame, 100%. All of this stems from U.S. law and policy implemented uh, by whoever's in the White House. You know, the presidents and the uh, administration that's in power has a lot of discretion about how to enforce uh, the immigration laws that are on the books. When Biden came into office, even before he came into office, when he was campaigning, he signaled to the entire world that he was going to roll back Trump's uh, immigration policies. He's going to loosen restrictions at the border. He's going to make it more compassionate, more humanitarian. But the message went out. It's going to be able to, you're going to be able to get in. And uh, the people who stand to make money off of that, the cartels and the smuggling organizations, knew that uh, that would be good for business. And so they sold that to people in the sending countries. They've told them, you know, as soon as Biden gets in office, you're going to be able to get into the country. And sure enough, We saw huge, historic, and ongoing record numbers of illegal immigration since Biden took office. And it's not going to change until U.S. policy changes. So it's great business for the cartel. As soon as that announcement is made that it's going to be a little easier, uh, they still have to pay. They're not getting in unless they pay the cartel, no matter what Joe Biden says. Oh, that's right. No, I mean, it's part of what they're selling. They're saying, you know, we can get you across the border. And in fact, you you know, you you better uh, pay us. Uh, the, 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 you got to understand these towns in Mexico where the migrants are gathering, where their sort of end point is on their journey up to the U.S. border. These cities are completely controlled by cartels. They control the police. Mm-hmm. They control the, the municipal leaders. Nobody sneezes in these towns without the cartel say so. So the you know, it, it, we we like to talk a lot of times about how the border is out of control. It's mm-hmm. not quite right. The border is under control. It's just under the control of the cartels. Yeah, now that's a word we hear all the time, cartel. I, I think I know what it is, but but what does a what does a cartel look like? Uh, it's a highly sophisticated multinational criminal organization with unlimited resources. The Sinaloa cartel is in fifty eight countries. They're a multinational criminal enterprise. Think of Halliburton. If Halliburton was in the business of drug trafficking, extortion, kidnapping, and human trafficking. That's what the cartels are. Uh, they're basically have become uh, enmeshed with Mexican government and Mexican officialdom at every level in that country. So the idea that we have like a partner in the Mexican government to deal with illegal immigration is laughable. Well, yeah, and are the cartels any more corrupt than the Mexican federal and local government? They're one in the same yeah, in many yeah, cases. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, and so... Uh, how are, if 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 you are coming up here from uh, Nicaragua and, and, and coming through Mexico, how do you make contact with the cartel? And how does the cartel discover you? Or you or they just go up to people in the long lines and say, "Okay, cough it up, give me some money, or you're you're not coming through." 
It starts all the way back in Nicaragua or Honduras or Guatemala yeah. or whatever the sending country is. But the, there's a, a coyote or a smuggler or a point man in those communities uh, that will sort of approach migrants and offer them a deal. And they'll say, this, it's this much money for you or your family uh, to be able to get into the United States. And part of that fee includes a payoff to the cartel. And so when these migrants arrive in these border towns on these buses, most often there'll be a cartel checkpoint. Sometimes it's a cartel checkpoint. Sometimes it's a police checkpoint. But in any case, it's the cartel's checkpoint. And the migrants will be asked for a code. They have to give a code showing that they've paid. They've paid the cartel tax. And if you don't have a code, they pull you off that bus and they take you to a stash house and you stay there until your family can get enough money together for you to pay off the cartel and pay that tax. It's a very sophisticated system. They've figured out just over the past five years or so, they have figured out to completely monetize illegal immigration. Uh, and I don't think most Americans realize what a sophisticated uh, sort of industrialization is taking place with illegal immigration in Mexico. Uh, but but that's what's happening. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Um, you, you. You talk in your piece, and we're, we're talking to uh, John Daniel Davidson, senior editor at The Federalist. You can find his two-part uh, series on his trip down to the border uh, at thefederalist.com. Um, uh, that, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, how uh, – now I forget what I was going to ask you because I said <laughs> – I identified you. I, I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, I know. Uh, the, the, are there competing cartels? As, as it, there's, there's not just one – you know, it's not the cartel and they wear uniforms and they're identified. Are they, are they, sure. how, how are they competing and how do you know if you're, a, if you're an immigrant and you're coming up through Mexico, which cartel to trust and – which one's going to kill you? It's, it's got to be an amazing, uh, just a, a huge problem for people. Sure. Well, the smugglers, uh, the, the smuggling organizations that sort of initiate this in the sending countries, they have a route. Uh, they are affiliated or, or sort of uh, associated with certain cartels, and they have a route that they're sending the, the migrants who pay them on, and they're going to cross at a certain point. They're going to go to a certain part of the border that's controlled by a specific cartel. Um, so if you go to Matamoros and you're going to cross there into Brownsville, then the, you need to make sure that you paid off the Gulf Cartel in Matamoros. If you go to a different part of the border, you're going to have to make sure that the smuggler who you hired and the smuggling organization that you that you gave all that money to uh, has communicated with the cartel in that particular part of the border that you're crossing. You're right. There are multiple cartels. They're often at war. They're often competing for territory and for uh, drug trafficking routes, but it's because they control specific territory along the border that enables them to exact these taxes from migrants and to really make a lot of money off of it. One of the things that we've seen over the course of the last few years with this border crisis is migrants going to parts of the border where they can avoid this tax or where there's less cartel activity. It's one of the reasons last fall you saw all these Haitians 15,000 Haitians crossed the border in Del Rio, Texas, and there was all those media images of, of this huge encampment. One of the reasons they were going to Del Rio is because there's not as much cartel activity in the city across the river from Del Rio, which is Acuna. Uh, that, may, that may be changing, though. The more people that go there, the more revenue there is uh, for a cartel to come in, take control of that area, and start charging people to cross. Amazing. And you, you, you point out in your story, I think, that uh, that we up here, especially up here in the north, uh, we're so far removed from it, we see the stories, of, uh, the heartbreaking stories about the families and the, uh, the pathetic-looking pictures that we see of people, what they have to go through. But uh, I think you're, you're, what you were saying is that the media are not doing a very good job of talking about what you're talking about right here, which is the, the level of the corruption and the uh, the role that the federal government, the United States government, is is playing in all this, facilitating it and encouraging it. That's right. It's easy to go down to the border and talk to these migrants and to kind of do shoe-leather journalism and get a lot of really gut-wrenching and emotional stories, and then just to kind of write it up. And it's this just-so-morality tale about how the migrants are these heroic victims and, and that they're very courageous for sort of braving all these dangerous circumstances to get into the United States, and they're very sympathetic. Uh, and they are sympathetic. Uh, and, and it's very easy to write those stories, but it kind of obscures... Uh, our understanding of what is really happening, what is the ecosystem that's driving all of this 
uh, illegal immigration on the border. Who's making money off of it? How does that work? You don't really get that just by going and interviewing migrants and having them tell you their stories, which is what the mainstream press likes to do because uh, it's uh, it sort of confirms all of their prior assumptions, uh, not just about, you know, say, Donald Trump and his more restrictive border policies, um, but, uh, you know, Joe Biden and, and sort of the, the, the Democrats and anyone who wants looser restrictions at the border. It plays into those priors, and it has the effect of obscuring our understanding of what's happening down there. What are the chances that the people in the government, I don't know how high up you want to go with this, but the people in the government are 100% aware of what's going on and just let it go. They either don't think they can do anything about it or don't want to. They're absolutely aware. There's no way they can't be. Uh, You know, uh, Secretary, uh, you know, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas has better information than than any of us about who's coming across the border, about what the trends are, about what the cartel situation is in Mexico. They know exactly what's going on, and their policy here is deliberate. Uh, and I think there's there's no other you know there's there's no other conclusion you can come to when you look at the at the numbers. We had 240,000 people arrested at the border last month. That's that's never happened before in American history. It's far and away the largest number ever, and the largest number before that was April. Uh, so every month now we're setting new records, and at this rate we're going to have millions of people arrested at the southern border. Uh, and and of course the administration knows that it's their policies that are driving that. And, yeah, I was going to ask you, that based on the numbers in your story, some of which you just gave there, it sure sounds like an invasion. Yeah, literally hundreds of thousands of people are moving through Mexico up to and over the border every month. And that's a a low estimate because, of course, there's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of more who are not detected, who are getting in without uh, without, uh, you know, being apprehended. They're either evading Border Patrol and law enforcement entirely uh, or they're getting away. Um, And and that's a considerable number of people, too. So that the 240,000 number, that's just the arrest. That doesn't account for everyone who's actually getting into the country. So we are talking, you know, about millions of people over the course of a year. Did you ever fear for your safety? Uh, I didn't. Um, you know, we we uh, we took precautions, uh, but I I wouldn't recommend anybody going to these places without taking the proper precautions, doing the research, making preparations, and uh, really only going to the places that you've planned to go. You don't want to wander around in these cities. How do you fix it? Stop letting people into the country. Uh, we saw policies under the Trump administration uh, that reduced immigration to historic lows. Uh, and the reason it did is because when you have migrants who um, are constantly hearing from their friends and family who have gotten into the United States free and clear, able to work, that's a strong incentive mm-hmm. back home to motivate people to take, undertake the similar journey and to get into the United States. But it works in the other direction, too. If instead of hearing stories about how, you know, their friends or family or neighbors got in, they hear stories about how they didn't get in, how they're in detention or how they're in Mexico or that they get deported back to their home country. It it really reduces demand for this kind of illegal immigration and for them taking these enormous financial and personal risks to travel up to northern Mexico and try to get over the border. Uh, But that's that's something we can fix with policy. Uh, You could fix it. You could solve the border crisis with the stroke of a pen tomorrow if the Biden administration wanted to. And we saw that during the Trump administration when you had tougher border policies, more expulsions and deportations. People stopped coming eventually. Hey, John, I'm out of time. It's a great piece. Two two part piece uh, uh, series on the at the Federalist dot com. John Daniel Davidson. Always uh, great to have you on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, we'll be right back. is important news. If you have unfiled tax returns, the IRS is shifting gears and ramping up investigations on non-filers this year. If you fail to file your tax returns for a year or more, or you owe back taxes, now's the time to call Optima Tax Relief before the IRS finds you. Optima is America's number one most trusted tax resolution firm, specialized in helping individuals, families, and businesses get right with the IRS. They're experts in the Taxpayer Relief Initiative, a powerful new program that can make results 
solving tax issues easier. A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, Optima's award-winning team has helped thousands of people protect their paychecks, bank accounts, homes, and businesses by putting their tax problems to rest, resolving over $1 billion in tax debts for their clients. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarustpittsburgh.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. So is uh, the border enough of a fiasco for you? And isn't it interesting that the uh, American government is uh, a great marketing tool for the cartels? That's how they make their money, because idiots like Joe Biden and the people he has working for him are allowing people to come into the country, which creates the incentive for people to leave their other countries, uh, Nicaragua and uh, uh, Guatemala and Honduras and Haiti. But I also, uh, it's also interesting, uh, always to me, uh, when you hear these stories about what these people have to go to, sell their homes, uh, risk death. And most of these people are brown and black people. And they're coming from countries that are run by brown and black people. And you would think that some of the people who are, uh, are always telling us uh, what a terrible country the United States is because of systemic racism would be down there warning them not to come. But somehow, they don't. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.